You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Born to be alive. You know that just goes born to be alive. Born to be alive. Born to be alive. Nobody knows that song. I don't know that song. You don't know that song? Mm-mm. Holy crap. I think you made it up right now. When were you born? 81. To be alive. To be alive. <laughs> uh, so Joel was in San Francisco. If I'm going. Yes, so is. Yeah. Where uh, where you proposed? No, st- <laughs> oh, that did not happen. This is how rumors get started. No, uh, it would have been a lovely thing to do, but uh, not. No. Yeah. Uh, we just enjoyed enjoyed the city and enjoyed some of the things they had to offer. Great food. Uh, saw Billy Joel in concert, Ooh. which he's only doing like an eight city tour, maybe, <laughs> and he hasn't done one in because since that his an- last that, album, that ankle bracelet <laughs> <laughs> from, just, yeah. from drunk driving. <laughs> Apparently, he just sired like another. No, did he? He just got married, but he had a kid. Sired? Uh, Who uses that tired? I do. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> Who uses that? Bringing it back you from like bringing that. You have sired a child. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let me ask you this, mm-hmm. uh, Billy Joel. Yes. Only the good die young. No, no, the good. Die. So what does that mean? Oh, if he's like geriatric oh, oh. now, is he no longer good? Ooh, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the meanings of some of these songs maybe don't don't hold up as, anymore. Uh huh. Because he's been at it for the longest time. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, and he's also like singing songs about like you know oh, the love of my life that are probably written for for Christy, Christy Brinkley. Brinkley. <laughs> <laughs> Pay no attention to he's the like he's like Elton John. He just starts like changing up some of the lyrics <laughs> to fit somebody else. <laughs> he got uh, he's getting crotchety too in his old age. Oh, I'm sure he is. And I don't remember him having like such a thick New Yorker accent. Oh, but he's, he's always had that. This song I wrote 30 years ago. <laughs> And uh, nobody, it wasn't a hit then. It's not going to be a hit now. Enjoy. <laughs> Great. He literally <laughs> said shit like girl. that. Yeah, oh my exactly. God. No, it was like some obscure B side. Wow. Tracks, but man, great concert. Yeah, median age there of the concert goer. Mm, I'm gonna say 51, maybe. Uh, yeah. So uh, we were probably the youngest people there. That's good. But uh, man, you forget how many songs of his you know until you hear them back to back like that. Right. And uh, did he do Piano Man? Of course, dude. Yeah. Oh, and then I like the last. Song. Of everybody loves that song. And we, we I'm saw not him. A big fan of Piano Man. We saw him. At, uh, well, of course. Oh, oh, shock, no, no, no. I'm shocking everybody. Joe doesn't like something that's popular. Dude, well, it was Joe, such a hit. You know what? Shut the fuck. Uh, like I'm like a. No, that's cool. That's cool. I am not like a career contrarian. I just, uh, you know, you give me a lot of shit for being a hipster. Um, Because you are a hipster. I look the look, but you walk the walk. (laughs) And I walk the line. I wish I could look the look instead. Together, we're like the perfect hipster, right? (laughs) (laughs) Our powers combined. With my thick rimmed glasses. We're like Station from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. (laughs) If we run really fast into each other, we would like uh, transform into a super hipster. I like that. Uh, All right, so this is the Editing Bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name is Joe. I'm Joel. And this is where we come to talk about movies. Sometimes they're bad movies. Sometimes uh, they're actually good movies. They're maybe undiscovered or underappreciated gems of the cinematic universe. Or they're just clearly good films and we just want to talk about them. Whatever the case. Uh, we will watch these movies and then come here to this forum uh, and talk about it with each other and with you, our Editing Bay audience. And sometimes we have special guests. Yay. Like today, uh, you heard a, a new voice. Well, maybe not new if you've listened to some Afternoon Delights. Uh, we have brought Stephanie on board to talk about The Lone Ranger. How you doing? 
Hey, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to address the elephant in the room, which is that you're both wearing Lone Ranger masks currently. Yeah. By the way, if you're uh-huh. following our Twitter handle at at the Editing Bay, I'll uh, post a little photo there. Maybe it'll be on the Facebook page. Yeah. But, uh, you, you look smashing, as the well, British will say. Well, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing something kind of new. This is going to be too late by the time you hear this. But doing something kind of new. We've done like a, a before the show on Periscope. And we have it running still. So, you know, those who are watching on, on the Periscope app, we can't see you asking questions because we've got the camera set up elsewhere. Right. So we can't <laughs> see the screen. Um, so we'll get to you later. Uh, so we are going to be talking about Disney's The Lone Ranger, mm. starring Johnny Depp and Army Hammer. And this is a film that Joel, when I had, when we were we were talking about it in passing, when we were doing another movie review, and we we mentioned like The Lone Ranger, and Joel's like, I'm, "You're never going to get me to see that shit." <laughs> and so immediately I was like, "Well, that's the next movie we're going to do." Then I need to learn to stop saying things like that. <laughs> you should know better around him. Come to bite me in the ass. In the Noose. Although I have to admit, um, this what was, what were you gonna what are you gonna admit? I was, cannot wait. This was more of a, a nibble in the ass than it was a bite in the ass. Yeah, uh, it was not not entirely unenjoyable. Yeah, is as committal as I'll get Very to saying I like this movie. There, because right. I'm trying to backtrack because I talk shit and 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 we were. Thankfully, somebody died last week, and so we were able to delay this uh, movie a week. <laughs> Thankfully. I was like, thanks, <laughs> Wes Craven. Wes Craven on his way out did a solid for uh, Joel Bernson over here and delayed uh, having to watch The Lone Ranger for a week. Instead, Thank you. Sure you had to watch New Nightmare? You. That's true. Are you it's saying true. that New Nightmare was still better it's than this movie? No, more of a lateral move, I guess. But yeah. uh, no, you're you're right. I uh, uh, This is this this is not a bad movie. Did you not have a good time watching this movie? Uh, I had a good time, but I'll have to say it's easier when you watch it in installments. Because I started it last night, passed out about halfway through, finished it this morning, uh, and it's 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 much more palatable that way. It goes yeah. down a little easier when you can split it into segments, much like the old serial uh, <laughs> Lone Ranger. Much called. like the editing bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will not be a long episode, hopefully, today. Um, but uh, I have very few negative things to say about it, mm-hmm. actually. So. Okay. Uh, uh, you may have, you may have, you may have won me over may this time. I may have, Joe Cucinati. <laughs> so uh, the um, okay. So the the reason I've got Stephanie here is because we started working on you know the Pocket Sandwich Theater here in Dallas. Familiar. They do uh, a whole lot of melodramas, and usually it's based on like you know popular characters or stuff that's kind of public domain. Mm-hmm. Well, we started working on a Lone Ranger melodrama, mm. and while we were kind of starting on that, the Lone Ranger movie was being released, yeah. and we ended up getting passes to go see it early. Um, had a great time, but while watching it, I think we both had moments of like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this could work. Oh, we could totally convert this and make this into like a melodrama. <laughs> yeah? Uh, yeah. So oh, yeah. We, we started working on a script and kind of <laughs> petered out around act two and a half, <laughs> three. Um, it just, you know, it, you you kind of can't keep up sometimes when you got busy schedules. I hear you. Like, you know, a baby on the way. Wow. <laughs> You're just going to well, pull that card. Other- other shows that we were working on simultaneously, yeah. and so things had to get pushed back. So something's got to give. The one that wasn't finished got pushed back. That's, That's right. Fair enough. That's right. Uh, because we we had done uh, a reading and then uh, a staging of uh, a show that I had written as well, uh, drama. And now we've got like okay, we've got the Lone Ranger show, and we've got the Star Wars melodrama that yeah. we're working on, and Supernatural. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, so yeah, coming soon. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully before twenty twenty five. You know, we'll before these... your daughter graduates college. I know, right? <laughs> because I need some money to put her through college. Mm, good call. Uh, all right. So the Lone Ranger. 
the uh, it's the story of a man named John Reed, mm-hmm. who's you know a, a district attorney. Usually, it's kind of like a different story every now and then, like what he is, what his character is. But for the most part, it's you know his he's his brother is his name Dan, and he's the head of this this Texas Ranger it's the Rangers, group. yeah. And and John goes out to ride with his brother and stuff, and they end up getting uh, getting. Uh, Betrayed and trapped in a box canyon where they get gunned down by Butch Cavendish and his gang. Jesus. And that's when John ends up, you know, being the only survivor and he becomes the Lone Ranger with the help of Tonto, who nurses him back to health or whatever. And and they end up bringing Butch Cavendish and all of the lawless of the Old West to justice. The end. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how much of this story that you just uh, regaled us with uh, is... Sticking to the original, because I don't know much about the original. There's there's a lot, in its own way, mm-hmm. a, a lot of this sticks to the original. Not only that, but this movie pays uh, pays homage to Fran Stryker's original rules of writing The Lone Ranger. Hmm. And, you know, things that they never want, you know. Okay, so The Lone Ranger never drinks and he never smokes. Right, he's a and, Superman And type. there's mm-hmm. there's a moment, there's a couple moments in this movie where someone puts a drink in The Lone Ranger's hand and somehow somebody takes it out of Gets his hand. Gets knocked out. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's it's really fun that they they stuck to those rules that and also that he never uh, overcomes like over unsurmountable odds uh, odds he never he can he never um, he never beats that like if he's locked down oh. and like just people firing on him and there's no possible way for him to actually get out of this he doesn't get out of it. he doesn't just jump on a horse and just ride away right. safe uh, there's always Somebody a reason why he's gotten through it. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and, and there's there's like 10 rules of writing the Lone Ranger, and they kind of stick with this in this in this huh. movie. Uh, they've they've modernized in its own way. They've modernized the story uh, of the Lone Ranger and mm-hmm. like the relationship between John Reed and Tonto. Mm-hmm. Um, it, to, to some degree, I think that it was effective. And then in some respects, I thought it. it was a bit of a detriment to the characters and to the story and to the running time of this film. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. but, but for the most part, it, it, it kind of stays fairly true to, to the story with a little bit of things like kind of modern Hollywood stuff thrown in, like the romance between John and Dan's wife that they had like a thing beforehand. Yeah. That wasn't part of it at all. There was really no love interest for the Lone Ranger. Yeah, interesting how they did that, how it wasn't a traditional, oh, damsel in distress, no kid. No, it was like, oh, you're there's a... A, a bit of a love triangle, and in fact, uh, his brother, uh, his, one of his dying breaths, says something Take like, "Take care you know, of her." Yeah, she always loved you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she already has a kid. Yeah. So uh, all well, things that were would, would probably be very unacceptable in uh, the 1930s mm-hmm. when uh, Lone Ranger was around. Now uh, we can we can broach these topics. So I, I, I like that they modernized it that way. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily a fan of some of the visual effects modernizations. Yeah. Although I have to admit. A lot more practical effects in this film uh, mm-hmm. than than I, it was advertised, and yeah. I, I think the advertising was a a detriment to this film's uh, well, lack of success. It, and it falls under the same category as the movie John Carter, where yeah, it, it it wasn't advertised correctly. No. Yes. And and also you're, I mean this this property Lone Ranger and John Carter both kind of share like a similar demographic. Yeah. And that's like. You know, it, it's going to be you're going to be hard pressed to find young audiences that dig on John Carter or and know what John Carter was. That, oh yeah, okay, no, I dig John Carter and the you know what, uh, and also the Lone Ranger. I mean, this is this is aimed at a much older audience uh, inherently, right? Even though they've made this movie for younger audiences, you know, these properties are are ancient. 
and so I think that was a problem with with Disney trying to market these properties. Uh, yeah, so this uh, John Carter and Speed Racer, I feel like their marketing departments had a hard time narrowing down what their audience was. Yeah, well, it's not one of those movies you can kind of ca- it's 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 a it's a very well balanced movie. It's a family film, uh, despite the fact that it's a, a hard PG thirteen. It yeah. is, but it is the type of. Like if if a if a family if a unit went to go see this if if little Harper on her what fourteenth birthday maybe uh-huh. you, you took her to go see it she could probably handle it because yeah there's some hard stuff but it's very funny and it's the it's the type of violence that you I guess want to introduce uh-huh. because you're I, you're seeing people be shot but not a lot of blood per se no it's not, not a gory violence no it's, it's literally that good guy bad guy people are gonna die there's gonna be sacrifices mm-hmm. made and but it's not gory which you know I mean that's Disney so but there is a scene kinda... where a dude eats another man's heart <laughs> off, well, camera. off camera off camera but you still see yeah. you still see, like in the in the reflection in John's eye like yeah. you see he's chomping away Digging at something in. Collins pukes in the background yeah. and so you kind of get where he's going with it and that's gonna lead to a lot of the mommy what's he doing daddy yeah. what's he doing yeah Nothing, baby. He's right. just hurting the man. Well, but that's where it leads you to be able to, you can talk about as much as you want. You can either yeah. go into detail, or if they're mm-hmm. young kids, you can just be like, he's just being he's, gross. He's being, he's hurting him. You know? I do want to address, a, and you you had, you had used a, a really good term, addressing the elephant in the room. Uh. Uh, and I do want to say this. You, you said, you know, it's funny. It's got some humor. And I feel like in this movie, one of my major criticisms of this film mm-hmm. is that the humor sometimes diffuses like a very honest and genuine moment, and then suddenly, uh, okay, best example is after they uh, they're they're at the train station and Tonto's just saved John from getting shot by the the cavalry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the Indians attack, and then they end up getting slaughtered by the cavalry yeah. and there's Tonto yep. on the waterfront and it kind of echoes the stanza from earlier in the movie where the the chief the Indian chief is telling Tonto's story as a kid yep. and it kind of echoes it where he takes the 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 bird the out bird. of the water and then John walks over to him and he's like now I understand there is no justice you're right you know we've got to take this into our own hands and and you get this final moment of like you know personal re- revelation yep. and reflection and and he finally understands and it's immediately diffused by them looking up and there's silver on a tree branch yes. wearing a hat. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I, I, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but like this was a really honest moment where these characters finally see eye to eye. They finally understand each other after this weird bickering, which goes maybe a little too late into the third act. Yeah, I was going to say, this is, like, well, this is two hours into the movie probably at that yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> and and to, to have that, like where they have that moment and then they just look up and they're Something wrong with that with horse. That horse yeah. I mean, I laughed, but at the same time, I'm like, wow. Did you want that, that was... moment for a little farther? Because I, th- I just felt like they could have cut on that moment. Uh, but but uh, see, and, and I, you say it's a detriment. I, I I think that's a that's a strength that Gore Verbinski has. He's good at at weaving humor in just at the right amount of time. Uh, and I, I thought that those little scenes peppered in the, the comedy, which I thought were really going to bug me, uh-huh. helped kind of balance the movie. Yeah. And, and so you can have a film where a man eats another man's heart. Uh, but still, one where uh, you know still you Johnny Depp is. Uh, <laughs> but still, you have the moment where, like, you know, where the Lone Ranger and Tonto bust in on a cross dresser in a barn, and he's like, "Tell me where she is, or I'll let him do whatever he wants with you." And he's like, "Well, what do you want to do with me?" <laughs> and he holds up a guy. duck foot. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> no, I, you know, I I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree. I do feel like that they he does a good job at peppering in the humor. I just mm-hmm. feel like there are some moments. Just a few where you didn't you didn't need to quite punctuate it with a laugh yet. 
You know, you could have just moved on to the next scene because that's a good reflective moment, and that's a good moment for the audience to kind of that's the to to, to, to digest a little bit before we like, put a horse on a branch. I feel like that's a Disney thing, though. Yeah. Like Disney's going to be like, "Hey, okay, we were serious. Now we got to be funny and Shit's get everybody like right. We can't stay serious for long. I mean, how many Disney movies do you watch that give you those true moments and actually hold right. them? Yeah. See, and for me that worked, especially that scene because that is the the crux of where Lone Ranger kind of gets his because he's up until this point he's been a goody two shoes he's mm-hmm. a lawyer everything's by the law in fact even uh, William Fickner's character who's great in this film by the way yes he re- is repeats his line or that's how he recognizes who he is because you know he says We're, I'm gonna yeah. something punish you and he says oh to the fullest extent of the law fullest extent of the law so he puts together that it's him man William Fickner look I, I did not recognize him I wouldn't have known that was him unless I looked at IMDB yeah because he's got this little snaggle tooth uh-huh. thing going on he's, but, uh, he's awesome in this he's fantastic in this he's he's great villain mm-hmm. and while I understand what they were doing with his character with the misdirect later on in the film I understand that. So that kind of limits what you can see him do or how much you can learn about the character in the yeah. course of the story. He's just got to be a bad guy. But I just wish we could have gotten more Butch Cavendish in this film. Yeah. I wish we could have spent just a little bit more time with him, you know, kind of getting to know the character, understanding him, kind of learning his his motivations. But like I said, you can't do that because there's this total, like, misdirect in the third act of the film mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, okay, now I understand what's going on. But he's so good. He's so <laughs> good, and good. I just wanted to see more of him. Yeah. I, I do want to ask this, mm. and we can get back on the William, William Fickner thing. Uh, before this movie came out, there was a huge to-do about Johnny Depp playing Tonto. Yeah. So let, let's talk about that for a bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, well, uh, just to, uh, to address it, the, the to-do was that uh, here's this, this, this great Native American role that should be uh, oh, I got a little soundtrack on there. Yeah. <laughs> that should be uh, played by a Native American actor, and we get one of the whitest people. I mean, J- Johnny Depp, accomplished actor. I, doing everybody likes Johnny Depp, right? I, I think so. I think maybe for the most at this part. point he's getting a little played out. Maybe uh, well, I think at that time he was definitely when this came out he was way played out. And yeah. I think that kind of I think that was a huge factor mm-hmm. in in the the criticism of him playing this role. Yeah, because this is after three Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And in this movie, he's basically playing Western version of Captain Jack Sparrow, right? He's, true. he's kind of off he, when he's is an, an odd manner about him, the way he moves and in, talks. Instead of a, a compass, he has a stopwatch or, <laughs> or a yeah. pocket watch, pocket that, watch. Right. that he's play, playing with. Uh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I feel like part of their reasoning probably for doing that is that it draws in a different audience because there's those of us like right. 90s kids, like... Johnny Depp, I mean, at least for the girls anyways, Johnny Depp will always be sexy, and it doesn't matter what he's in, I'm going to watch it, uh-huh. because it's Johnny Depp. Right. So I think that there was definitely probably, let's put another big name in here, because, you know. Absolutely. And this is almost, I know the movie's called The Lone Ranger, but Tano probably gets more screen time. Yeah. And he's probably mm-hmm. the biggest takeaway, just because The Lone Ranger, as you mentioned before, he has to be so straight and narrow. Yes. It's it's Not that it's hard to root for him, but it's hard to have a memorable character like that. Well, it's hard to connect with him. Yeah. Yeah. And and you also, and this is what Tonto, this is the part that Tonto served all throughout the Lone Ranger's legacy, is he's supposed to be kind of like the more of the relatable character Mm -hmm. uh, than the Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger, like you said, is the Superman character. Right. We relate through Superman through Jimmy Olsen or Lois Lane. That's right. Uh, And so through Tonto, we kind of relate with the Lone Ranger. Now, what I want to get to is there's such a huge outcry, such a, you know, people were really beating down on this movie because of Johnny Depp playing right. a Native American. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, where was the where was this outrage when Tom Hanks played uh, a Bosnian? What was he in the terminal? Oh, oh a Bulgarian. Right. He oh, played a Bulgarian. Right. Yeah, and well, his his mother's. Portuguese and his father's family's from the UK. He's got no Bulgarian blood in him, That's but true. he played this character. Uh, I think uh, what was it? Probably eight, nine years before the Lone Ranger came out. Yeah, yeah. Late so where 2000s. was where but was I the outcry? There? I think that's part of that. What the thing is, though, look at the timing and what's going on. It's a really big thing right now that you know everybody is. Um, there yeah. were words and they were gone. <laughs> um, everybody's represented. You know, right, we're right, so yep. we've gotten more and more and more PC, and so everybody needs to be represented correctly. So uh-huh. eight years ago, it wasn't that big of a deal for somebody to play a different culture, but now it's it's a bigger deal because in order to represent it correctly, why don't you use right? Okay, somebody from that culture. All right. So and also just to add on her point, it's more like this was an iconic character who is clearly mm-hmm. like Native American. The character right. dates back. You know, we're coming on a hundred years now, yeah. right? This wasn't just some it's, random Steven it's Spielberg always been, movie. It's always been played by an American Indian actor. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, is that true? Yeah, Jay Always. Silverheels mm-hmm. played him in the TV show, uh-huh. uh, and in the the movie, the the movie that came out in the eighties. It was it was another Native American actor. Sure, yeah. But I ask you this: mm-hmm. What Native American actor would you have? <laughs> That's in this the role? problem. When it came to do the recast, you'll see later that I broke my own rule and did not recast this character no, with a Native American actor. Neither did I. I just don't know. Well, and also at the game we play. It's more fun if the listener knows some of the actors' names that we're actually <laughs> right. casting. Yes. So yeah, the the aforementioned Jay Silverheel. Uh-huh. I don't think anybody knows him beyond what he did before. And just, listener, this is for you. Mm-hmm. Like, If you're one of those people that likes to beat down on this movie because Johnny Depp wasn't Native American and they let him play this role, I just want you to remember that in The Princess Bride, Mandy Patinkin played a Spaniard. Oh, that's true. S- just chew on that for also a little while. Also true, yes. yeah. And you, Lest and we you, not and talk you about love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> loves Inigo Montoya. Right. He killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> also, Breakfast at Tiffany's, where Mickey Rooney. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my gosh! Plays, oh yeah. God! Yes, oh, Miss Hot Rigol Right Ray. Like it's so unbeasy. <laughs> no, that was that was offensive. Even <laughs> yes, then. Yes, yes, <laughs> really Thank was. you for diffusing yeah. my point. But yeah, it's uh, no sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, yeah, having watched it now, it's it's not disrespectful, and it's not like there aren't Native American actors in this movie. Yeah. This uh, to me, this just kind of came down from Disney's point of view more as a decision of this is the main character of this huge tentpole. You know, uh, summer movie because uh-huh. there's a really like, possible franchise, summer, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we can't let it rest on the shoulders of an unproven of, of actor the, of the guy who played twins in the Social Network. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it's like, yeah, it's, we've, we we have to we have to be guaranteed that we're going to cast somebody everybody knows, everybody likes, get the asses in the seats, mm-hmm. uh, and it didn't work still. But uh, yeah, Johnny W does a does a great job. Respectful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So speaking of. Mm. Uh, the the twins from the social network. The Winklevi. What did you think about Army Hammer in this film? I like him a lot. Yeah. I like him a lot. I, I, what could have been a very dry character uh, is really given a few moments of comedy when the uh, they're following that one horse out in the desert. <laughs> yes. And the horse keels over. <laughs> yes. And uh, he's like, oh, well, let me try. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wind talker or whatever. <laughs> a spirit walker. Yeah. Hmm? Uh, excuse me. Horse, which way do we go? Say what? Oh. <laughs> Nothing! <laughs> yells at Johnny Depp. So he had a couple of moments like that and was allowed to be fallible. And, uh, and this guy is, I, I, I think he almost suffers from um, a little bit of the Spicoli effect, uh-huh. which is, you know, Sean Penn plays this 
this this one character, this stoner character in in the first movie that he he breaks out in, and everybody kind of expects him to play that role. Only knows him as that, and he spends his entire career trying to bust out of that. That's right. So Army Hammer, same thing, comes on with the Social Network. Uh, people don't even realize he's not to that they didn't cast twins for that movie. Yeah. That's the one actor playing uh, playing multiple roles. Does a great job, mm-hmm. uh, but dude's got a lot of range, man. Yeah. I loved him in this. Yeah, I, I you? thought I thought I thought he was really good. I had my doubts before it started, and. I, I enjoy him. I enjoy him as a character. I think that, again, Fran Stryker's rules to writing the Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger always speaks clearly. He doesn't use slang. Mm-hmm. He's he's very pro- proper in his diction. And I think he obviously affected that when he was researching the character. He brought that forward because the way he delivers just mm-hmm. straight from there, he delivers all of his dialogue very deliberate yep. and very he, he elucidates very clearly. Elucidates. Nice Love that word. word. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> what did you think? I liked him. Yeah. I mean, he's hot, so there's that. <laughs> but um, besides that, I actually was really impressed. It was I did not see the social network, so this is the first <gasps> time I What? I miss a lot of movies. But I'm that's sorry. a that's a great uh, well, we'll get to okay. that later. <laughs> all right. Yes. Note Homework that assignment. On my list. Okay. Please. All right. Um and so this was the first thing I had seen him in. So for me, he was an unknown yeah. and just, hey, good-looking guy. I'm really interested to see what he does. And I really enjoyed him. And I agree with you, Joe, that I think he did a very a very good job of, of being the Lone Ranger character that we all know. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, because everybody recognizes it, whether you really watched it or not. Everybody knows that character. And he did a great job of it. And so, yeah. The like hard him. thing, I think, for... for if someone, if a new initiate is trying to get into this movie, mm-hmm. I think something that's a little tough to get through, and I touched on this earlier, is the the dynamic nature of John and Tonto's relationship through much of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost bumbling to a point, <laughs> yeah. John Reed. It's kind of a buddy cop film. Yeah, <laughs> especially like near the beginning mm-hmm. when he's trying to, after the, the whole train wreck and stuff, and he tries to take Tonto in, he's being dragged by the foot. You know, this is a guy who's going to become a very confident and competent, yeah. you know, lawman, you know, uh, vigilante of the Old West. And I understand, like, building the character. And the character definitely, John Reed definitely goes through an arc in yeah. this film. A lot of people go through an arc. Maybe too many people go through an arc in this movie. Uh, because you have, like, John's connection to Butch Cavendish and mm-hmm. why he wants to bring Butch Cavendish in. Right. But then you've got Tonto and Tonto's history with both... Uh, Latham Cole and Butch Cavendish, Cavendish and why he wants to take down Butch Cavendish. That's right. Then you have Red Harrington, who <laughs> is like this ancillary character who has this wooden leg with a gun in it, yeah. very like a la Planet Terror. Uh-huh. Uh, and she's got a reason why she wants to bring down Butch Cavendish as well. This guy's spread you a got, lot of hate. Yes, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's effective. That that lets you know, like, oh, this is a dude that's been terrorizing yeah. the old West. And that's to its to its credit, that's something that you've seen a lot of old westerns, a lot of Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns. You know, you had the Lee Van Cleef character that was running, you know, just roughshod and terrorizing the entire countryside. But in a movie like this, you don't need like everyone to have a personal stake yeah. like this to take out Butch Cavendish. Like everybody had a history that led to this one guy. And it started to get a little like, all right, <laughs> we get it. He's a bad dude. We need to take him down. Let's let's just get to it. It's those things that I feel like with this long running time of this film, yeah. and I agree. Two and a half this, hours. This movie runs it's, too long. Yeah. Doesn't need to be, especially if you're trying to make a family film. And I, yeah. I, I know 
This is directed by Gore Ber- Verbinski. Ooh, tough to say. Yeah. Gore Verbinski, uh, who did all three of the first pirate. Four. Has he done, done four, four now? And now I guess Wait, it's... did Gore Verbinski did the fourth? I don't know that he did the fourth one. Maybe he did. Um, but I think he's doing the fifth one. Like oh. they're making another one. Oh my! Oh, there's a fifth one. Uh, I think so. Oh, yeah, right. I, they just will not die. But as long Jesus. as people go see them. But I think he got more involved because that first one was like an hour forty-five, and then those sequels were pushing two hours at least. Yeah. And I think they he's kind of given uh, 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 carte blanche, as mm-hmm. they say, over the runtime of his movie. Yeah. But as I was watching it, knowing it was a two and a half hour movie, knowing that there were all these. It, it's an ambitious film as uh-huh. far as like it's not even really dealing with all these characters because there's all those intertwined but then yeah telling the larger story of yeah. this goes into some some history it's kind it, of a history lesson too about it, it, the hostile takeover of uh, you know the west from it, the native it Americans. does it, it it almost it almost achieves being a little too smart for its own good absolutely absolutely but it doesn't. It doesn't quite cross that line where you're like, okay, I can't stand this anymore. Mm-hmm. You're being a little too like, yeah. oh, well, we're smart with the way we're. D-. No, th- it was. It was. It skirted the line, but it was yeah. still compelling enough for me to, to stick with. Yeah. For it being a two and a half hour long movie, mm-hmm. for me, it moves along at a pretty good clip. Yeah. That's that was the point I was gonna make. As I was watching it, knowing how long it was, I was like, okay, what would I have edited out? What would I have cut? What would I have tightened up? Uh huh. It's pretty tight to begin with. Okay. Here's what I would have taken out. Mm-hmm. Or changed mm-hmm. the John Lasseter esque little boy getting the story from old the Thank Young you. Guns two aspect the, of this movie. That is the exact note that I made too. This doesn't need a storyteller to, to bookend it and tell us it what we learned. It could have easily started on the train uh-huh. and yeah. and go through the movie. I, it would have made sense if you're going to have Tonto telling this little boy this story, mm-hmm. then. Open it with the little boy, like being bullied or being teased, yeah. or you know maybe he's a little shit. Mm-hmm. That's what Sarah had said. Like, well, he maybe he was a little bit of a shit. Maybe he's a little bit of a shit, and he needs a bit of a a little education. Mm-hmm. And that's where Tonto comes in. Mm-hmm. And so that way, by the end of the movie, this little boy has learned a lesson. Right. There's a reason why he's being told this story. He grows mm-hmm. through his <laughs> being told this, but. It really doesn't matter. No. And I would argue the last thing this movie needs is another character <laughs> that needs right. to go through a change <laughs> in an exactly. arc. Yeah, I'm going to add another 15 minutes to this movie. <laughs> Agreed. But I'm with you. We don't need it at all. To me, this feels like something that was added after the fact. Like, uh, are children going to be able to follow this story as well? Because basically, that's what this this child is, the voice of all children in the, the audience. The only other kid in this movie is questions. in peril for almost the entire film. Yes, or a young Tonto. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah uh, you mentioned uh, the Helena Bonham Carter character earlier mm-hmm. the uh the the red harrington thank you yeah what do they call it brothel she's, the brothel. she's in charge of the brothel <laughs> brothel <laughs> um i could have done without that character she didn't really need to be there yeah. she serves every purpose she serves could have been served by another character because really she kind of just shows up there at the climax to show off her her gun leg why is everybody in love with her like why is everyone so sexually obsessed i know with her gun leg? yeah barry pepper like the guy the captain in charge of the cavalry uh all of a sudden is smitten by an, an aging on the bottom carter with uh with a fake leg does that I do it love a woman with a gun leg <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but, but he doesn't know it's a gun leg he just knows it's, it's a wooden leg an amputee and he's like he's touching it he's like how far up does it go? Right, I know. So awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Although it was hot when uh, what's her name did it in the uh, in Planet Terror. In Planet Terror. Yeah. What is her name? Uh, Rose, Rose McGowan. McGowan. Thank you very much. Thank Jeff. you, Jeff. Future Jeff. Nice job. <laughs> so okay, so we agree. <laughs> what did you think about the little boy 
Steph, the little boy, the, the to being end. told the story. I, I could have done without it. In fact, to me, it took away from the Tonto character mm-hmm. because then you you see him the very first time and the very last time as this almost clownish yeah. type character. Oh, yeah. He's in this circus and he's... And I get the point that there's like, you know, what's he going to do with his life? He's old and he has nothing to do and he's mm-hmm. crazy, so that's where they put him. But to me, it takes away from the Tonto character because it gives him this clownish type thing. So then when you're watching the movie with that in mind, mm-hmm. you're really more thinking of him as this just kind of goofy type character with these nice deep moments mm-hmm. yeah. versus if they had taken that out, I think it would have completely changed the way a lot of people looked at that character during uh-huh. the movie. Interesting. Yeah. Um, did did Tonto, there being an old Tonto telling a story to a young boy, at any point in the movie, did that make it like hard for you to buy him being in peril at any point? Like, well, obviously he lives because he's telling this story to a little boy. That didn't. Does that me. ever play into like a not just bit. in this movie, but in like other movies too? When it, like there's a character who tells the story like many years later. It usually does, of, uh, except for the fact that he's telling uh, the story about another character, and so that's the character you're supposed to care about and not know his or her fate. We all know this is a Disney movie, family movie. Nobody's they're not going to kill off the main character, right? Because I got to make Lone Ranger too. Yeah, that's the cynical <laughs> Joel talking. Um, so I don't mind it when it when it's a a, uh, a tertiary character or secondary character mm-hmm. telling the the. The legend of, um, and I actually kind of like the way the movie ends. The movie ends on a very poignant note, yeah. And again, ultimately is about <laughs> the white man taking over the uh, the, the natives' uh, territory. Yes, yeah. a, a poignant, powerful note highlighted mm. by Hans Zimmer's soundtrack. Great score, dude! It's a really good Strong. score. I was humming it uh, after, well, after the movie was over. Just the William Tell overture, or, <laughs> or, the, or, the, or the actual <laughs> no, the, like themes, the original stuff. music that was. It was the so good. That that. All, the music the, was great. Yes, and since you brought it up, of course they have to use the William Tell overture. That's the theme we all know. I love that they tease you though. They tease you at the beginning, and so like you know, subconsciously now you're craving it the entire movie. And when you finally get it in the third act, good God, this is a fantastic for I I might be in the minority here, but I think this is a fantastic climax to a movie. It throws back to classic hero cinema. Uh, It it, it almost feels like a silent film Mm -hmm. as you're watching it. You really don't need the dialogue that's going on in this. And it's even very minimal. Yeah, not a lot of dialogue in that that, scene. That music is the star of the sequence. For like a 20-minute sequence, and they're doing variations on it, and it never, it always keeps that pace. Uh And And that was my favorite part of the movie. And I remember being in the theaters, and it's right about the point where I... I have ADD and I get you know I get antsy and it was right about the time that not that I wasn't enjoying the movie but you know okay, I've well we'd already really had one climax and, by that point. right and it's kind of like okay so how much longer are we gonna go here because mm-hmm. I like to go into things not knowing what's happening so I had no clue that it was like a two and a half hour oh, movie I, was I have like, dinner reservations Disney at movie eight. it's gonna be an hour and a half it's exciting and then I was like we're still going oh yep. okay yeah. um, and I was enjoying it but then when that started I have to say that completely drew me back into the movie yep. and then yes it was classic it was what I was looking for mm-hmm. as as an audience member who grew up watching originals it was what I was looking for yeah. that was it I was like yes this is the Lone Ranger yeah. and they they uh-huh. managed to get it into the movie and not be 
super cheesy about it. No, it's just this side of being cartoony. Because obviously there are some things happening. You know, Johnny Depp is, is teetering that ladder. <laughs> the ladder. Walks Buster across Keaton, the ladder. Like, on right? the ladder. Right? Yes. And like the Lone Ranger is riding silver on top of a train. On a fucking train and then jumps into the, uh-huh. the car and goes through the tunnel. Yeah, obviously some of this is CG because uh, there's no way the American <laughs> Humane Society. Oh, you want to ride a horse in, on top I'm of sorry, a train? I'm sorry, you want to do what? <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, I, I was along for the ride. No pun intended. Yeah. Uh, just wish it would have happened half an hour earlier. Right. That first climax. <laughs> it, it's it's really good and it moves wonderfully and it's you know I mean I can't say enough about it. You yeah. know like like it's not only well I guess in its own way because saying this I was about to say if it, it felt like an Indiana Jones movie too mm-hmm. like it felt like a climax to an Indiana Jones movie in but those you know are also an homage to classic adventure classic serial uh, pulp cinema and it it. Like you said, it reinvigorates you once. Uh, once that William Tell overture mm-hmm. starts, oh, yeah. and he's riding that horse on the rooftops, and then jumps it on the train, and you have a climax on it. It's a train chase, a train chasing a train, and and parallel tracks, mm-hmm. and oh my god, the previs for this stuff, and Jesus, trying to map it out. Right? And the the great thing about it for me was I never got lost as to who was where. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was yeah. never disoriented. I always had a clear sense of geography of like, oh, okay, right. Tonto's here, Lone Ranger's here. Yep. I think if anything bothered me in that moment, it's when Lone Ranger and Tonto are finally on the same train. Uh, John pulls the peg out of the train and looks up and sees Tonto. And Tonto says, where's the girl? And Lone <laughs> Ranger says, where's the silver? And I kind of feel like you need to twist those around. Like your motivations are mm. are mixed up. Ah, good call. Uh, but but no no that that climax just I mean still I used to when I first, when I got it on digital mm. I would watch that sequence over and over. That's again. one of those yeah. good. You go into Best Buy and they want to test out the hundred and inch, uh, yeah. uh, you know TV screen with a seven point one surround. Uh-huh. That's a great scene to put on. I would yeah. imagine with the with the blue. You have the three D version I, too, don't you? No, they didn't make a three D version. Oh, we saw it in three D. Oh, but they they didn't make a 3D version, I, which I, bums me out. I would love to see a 3D version of yeah. this film, and I hate 3D. What did generally. you uh, speaking of? Mm. What did you think of how this movie looked? Oh, god, god damn! It's fucking gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. It is beautiful. Every single shot. Th- I don't know how long this took to make. You know, average shooting length of a film is uh, what would you say between well, principal photography usually yeah. about three four months between thirty and ninety days yeah. generally. I mean, yeah, it, I, I, I think for there, a movie like this, there's room for pickups. Yeah. but I, I feel like they shot for an entire year. Well, here and here's the thing: this movie uh, was plagued with issues throughout its shooting. Yeah, it was. Its original release date was supposed to be like 2011, uh-huh. and it, it almost. Actually, I think it was officially canceled once, uh-huh. and then I got they got some additional financing. Oh no, you know what it was. Johnny Jack- Depp, Army Hammer. Did I say his name right? Yeah, Army mm-hmm. Hammer. Sure that didn't sound right. Yeah. I was gonna say Arm and Hammer. Um, <laughs> Not Gorm Verbinski and Jerry Bruckheimer all took twenty percent pay cuts so that they could finish this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, maybe not the wisest financial yeah. decision, but creatively, <laughs> I'm so glad this film got finished. Uh-huh. But it must have taken six to nine months right. just for principal photography. Well, every I mean, single shot, sorry to interrupt, but no, every single ahead. shot is moving and composed well. Mm-hmm. There's no, when, when you look at something comparable like any of the Lord of the Rings movies, there's a lot of filler. There's yeah. a lot of shots that don't seem like they were storyboarded out. It's just like, well, we have two or three cameras, just shoot the action, we'll we'll, we'll edit it in the you know in the editing bay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, but this one was very deliberate in its filmmaking. It, it, was, it was deliberate in its filmmaking, de- deliberate in its visuals. Uh, like when the Rangers get gunned down, and there's this wonderful moment that's just the score and it's the camera like panning over and you know 
Uh, just just showing the impact of like the Rangers all dead, mm-hmm. and then it ends with like John, and then we you know go to Tonto who's up and has like seen this whole Birch. thing happen. Yep. Uh, and I think that's the thing that movies nowadays shy away from, and that's something that you know you got in those Sergio Leone mm-hmm. uh, uh, spaghetti westerns right. was reflective moments. They weren't afraid to be you know okay, no one's saying anything, no one's doing anything. Yeah. We're just having visual moments letting the visual tell the story and and drive that that nail just a little mm-hmm. bit further in for the audience before we move on yep um we talked about the uh um uh uh marketing of this movie uh-huh. maybe being a little off and not not hitting the points it needed to hit uh this wasn't i would have marketed this as a because not only is it a great family movie great adventure movie it's a really good western movie it's one mm-hmm. of the best westerns i've seen and it's, i know it's it's set in the West, and it's so easy to oh well, Wild Wild West was a Western, and Cowboy <laughs> yeah, versus no. Aliens is a Western. No, <laughs> those are and so I kind of thought this was going to fall in that category where it was going to be safe for kids, uh-huh. and, uh, but it is not. It is it's a hardcore Western. Yeah, it's it, one of my favorites. It it could it could stand uh, among its predecessors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Favorite westerns go. Uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, uh-huh. Unforgiven, yes, uh, Pale Rider. I like uh, three ten to Yuma. Drifter, three ten to Yuma. Yep. Do you like the one. remake? Did you like the remake? That's too? the one I'm referring. I've not oh. seen the original. Oh, the original's oh, the really original's good. Really good. Yeah. 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 Go back and see it. Original's fantastic. I'm not a big fan of westerns generally. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, for this, I'm a, I'm <laughs> a, a short list of top. I'm a big, big fan of westerns. I can tell from your yeah. list, Stephanie. Any top westerns? Um, I grew up watching them, but I grew up watching old westerns, Clint Eastwood and John Wayne, and oh, yeah. like the true, uh, true like way back westerns, which mm-hmm. is why I think I really. You were talking about how pretty this this movie was, and. I, it's why I enjoyed it because the cinematography really threw back to those old westerns mm-hmm. and it was a lot of fun because they're not afraid to use the location that they're set in that they use that and that's what a lot of the old westerns did was to give you that feel they didn't have all the CGI to yes. throw in stuff and all this extra sound mm-hmm. and they just used that to put you into that place with them and and so yeah. I, w- I was afraid a lot of this going back to the marketing because a lot of the marketing all, all the shots they showed in the trailers looked very CG and I was afraid a lot of this was going to be shot on green screen but they shot this in like six different states Utah and Colorado Texas represent New Mexico <laughs> um, and it shows there are some locations where I, I watched part of it with Jenna, and I was like, I don't know where that is, but we've got to go there. <laughs> uh, that looks fake, but clearly it's not. Yeah. So uh, does, does anyone – because we've been kind of verbally filleting this yeah, film now for the past time half hour. So let's, let's talk about some criticisms. Okay. Uh, I, I want to open up with uh, a couple of small ones. All right. The, um, the jackrabbits. The rabbit yes. jackrabbits. Okay. Why do we introduce them? Like, what do what's what what purpose do they serve? My only guess is that there's this and there's this theme that they keep talking about about re, uh, nature, nature being out, out, of, of balance, out of balance and restoring balance to nature. And yes, there uh, there's a scene. It's Army Hammer and Tano, and they're co- why I do that. <laughs> Johnny Depp and <laughs> the Lone Ranger <laughs> just chilling. <laughs> they're cooking some br- rabbits. They've I think this that, rabbit. I think that speaks to how effective he was playing that character. There you go. He just became the role. Um, they're they're roasting this rabbit over fire. It's night, and this this yeah this little what do you call them a uh, a pod a harem a murder of uh, jackrabbits <laughs> a, a group a group of jackrabbits <laughs> shows up and um, Tonto takes a little bit of the meat off of the rabbit that he's cooking and tosses it to him and they just go fucking rabbit yeah. like the fangs come out and they attack it uh-huh. and it's so like unnatural yeah and then the very last shot we're, we're introduced to it's a scorpion uh, we're introduced to the scorpions about halfway through the movie yeah. when when Tonto and the Lone Ranger get buried. <laughs> Uh, to their heads up in sand and uh-huh. scorpions. And then, yeah, the last shot is a uh, rabbit eating a scorpion. <laughs> to which I'm like, are, 
are, is that their natural predator? <laughs> like, right? yeah. Do rab- are rabbits no. known for like when you have a pet rabbit? Do you also have to buy a <laughs> month supply of scorpions, scorpions to feed it? Do, do rabbits eat meat? No. Like I, is that everything no. you've seen is like is they're munching on carrots? Yeah, Bugs and, Bunny uh, never. Exactly. I've never seen Bugs they Bunny chew down on a they steak. They don't eat. <laughs> It's, uh, well, it's a very uh, a little known uh, Warner Brothers cartoon <laughs> character, yeah. Sammy the Scorpion, just wasn't as popular. <laughs> it's the nemesis of Bugs Bunny. No, yeah, that that didn't make sense. I thought that was a bit of a stretch. To uh, we don't need any more symbolism than actual Indians being mowed down yeah. by a white man. Yes. Like, I don't need rabbits and scorpions. Yeah. And nature out of balance. Mm-hmm. It's not the fucking force. <laughs> Wow. I don't know. When the rabbits started, all I could think was Monty Python. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. that's literally where my, my mind went when that scene happened. That's was, seriously, like, if, okay. if Gord Verbinski maybe had, like, a theme of, uh-huh. like, rabbits that attack people or something, <laughs> like, then I'd understand, like, oh, this is his thing. This uh-huh. is his I'll be back or uh-huh. whatever. This is, you know, his oranges. Uh, yes. But but no, <laughs> they just got to come out of nowhere. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, mm-hmm. but there's a scene where uh, John... Uh, gets with the rangers mm-hmm. and they, they head out to go hunt down Cavendish and Dan tries to hand him a gun yes. and he's like no don't believe in him mm-hmm. and he and Dan says you know Butch Cavendish don't care one way or the other and he's like I'll take my chances and then rides off he's so st- staunch on like I am not going to take that gun I'm not going I don't believe in it yet on the train, he wasted no time grabbing a gun and holding it on Cavendish. That's a good point. And then, like, he he grabs a gun constantly in this, except for in that one point. That's, that's a good point. That weird inconsistency with yeah. uh, with John Reed. Yeah, and the, later pistol whips him, uh-huh. uh, Cavendish, with it. So right, uh, right before he he, but he does refrain from from using it for its intended purpose. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd give it a bit of a pass because that's more of a self protection. Yeah. Instead of going down to hunt somebody to murder them. So, uh, the fine line, but uh, yeah, a little bit of a discrepancy. Mm-hmm. I was bugged by, uh, there's the scene where we, we meet uh, the Helena Bottom Car- Carter uh, brothel mistress. <laughs> brothel. Red Harrington. Love the I name, really by like the way. The way Red Harrington. Brothel. Yes. Uh, and uh, they're, trying to get, well, they're trying to get information from her. And so now they pull out the old, oh, we're going to threaten to close you down. And so Lone Ranger <laughs> like whips out a pen and pad and is like... Uh, there's some there's some health violations. Looks like there might be some possible <laughs> health violations yes, going on he here. Does, he does play the health violations. Yeah, thing. and Tonto is even like, yes, pickle jar, <laughs> uh, jar pickles need refrigeration. Yes. I'm pretty sure that both refrigeration and health code violations were not <laughs> in existence. A little hyperbole in, uh, in the late 1800s when yeah. this movie takes place. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I didn't even notice that. Didn't pick up on I that. Didn't, I didn't like, pick up on it. health code violations. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, shit. Anybody else? Anybody have any other criticisms of the film? Yeah, these are odd nitpicks. Because I've got, I've got, a f- I've got a few things got that a few I point more. out. As much as I like this movie, <laughs> uh, I definitely have uh, a few nitpicks. Um, I uh, okay, where where did I have this shit? <laughs> where did I have this? <laughs> he shit? He has a whole long list, and he can't find it. <laughs> oh no, uh, it, I do. I do have a long list of notes and stuff. Uh, but I, I I wanted to touch again on the uh, the, the the relationship between John and Tonto. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like. They, they kind of. It feels like they've come to an understanding that we're going to hunt down Cavendish. Like when they're leaving the brothel, mm-hmm. the brothel. But then, like when they finally get Cavendish, after the, uh, what is it? I can't remember what's happened. But <laughs> they, they finally go to the. No, they're they're at the the silver mine. Oh, it's after they've been buried up to their heads. Okay. And they get he gets free, and Tonto's like, "So you're going to the the source of the river?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, 
you know where that is, don't you? Uh-huh. And so he takes Tonto with him. And so they end up getting Cavendish, and he's like, no, you're going to serve, you know, you're, you're going to answer to your crimes. Pistol whips him, mm-hmm. and then Tonto threatens to kill him, and then John knocks him out with, like, a shovel. Right. And I feel like this is so late in the movie for, for them these to be having this conflict. To be having this conflict. I even thought that the aforementioned scene where they're they're buried up to their heads in sand, Lone Ranger's able to get out, Silver comes over and throws him up. But first of all... Eat scorpions. What kind of... What kind of jo- <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A lot of animals eating scorpions. Now I'll buy it with silver because silver's always been described, even in the in the books and in the old TV show. Silver's always been like an ethereal kind of thing. Yes, he's a spirit animal, a spirit animal, and a little eccentric. He's always kind of done things that normal horses don't do, so that's fine. A little gross. Maybe not as gross <laughs> as Butch Cavendish licking the razor. Oh, and it's yeah. the guy. Not so yeah. much him. that he's licking his own blood to me. It's that he's licking the shaving cream. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the part that really gets me. Like, that's pretty nasty. Well, you're, you're talking about a guy who eats hearts. Yeah, so, that's uh, true. What will not you this know. guy digest? So wh- I'm sorry. What, were, what were you going to no, say? No, it's okay. So he licks the scorpions, and uh, Army Hammer uses his uh, spectacular jaw muscles to hold on to that leather strap <laughs> as a teeth. horse pulls him out of stand. I don't necessarily buy that. But then uh, is just flat out going to leave Tonto buried up to his neck. Like, they've been a, through a lot together. He's already saved his ass a couple of times. Uh-huh. You're not going to do your, your Native American buddy a solid, white man, and uh, and help him out there? He, the only reason is because he says he doesn't know how to get to the... The source of the uh, the river, and that's our hero. I know, yeah. right? It's like, where's the... <laughs> He's gonna leave Tonto <laughs> for dead. He's so, like, oh, I need you. I guess I'll save you. <laughs> so for a second, I thought that was a little too much manufactured drama. Yeah, uh, and and depreciated the character uh-huh. at a time when when he was just making his way on this journey. Yeah, Stephanie, do you have anything? Any any criticisms? Um. Just, I mean, it's all nitpicky stuff, like you said. The biggest thing for me was just how long it was. Um. And that's just because I have a hard time sitting through two and a half hours of anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, about like I said, about you know an hour and a half in, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm get up and walk around now, right? <laughs> oh no, no, we're still going. This movie needed that an intermission. That was just it did, uh-huh. it did like a classic, like right? a, a right? classic cinema, like it would have an intermission. Curtains come down. Uh huh. Little music plays. Let's all go to the lobby. And they like they they blink the lights in yep. the lobby so you know it's time to go back uh, in. Oh, I missed that. Uh, all right, so we haven't talked about her. We've talked about mm. Red Harrington. We've talked about our protagonist. We've talked about our anti. Well, we haven't even talked about all of our antagonists yeah, yet. Just the main one. Um, but I want to talk about Rebecca Reed. Yeah. Or as I like to refer to her as the walking underbite. Lips and McGee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She is not an attractive woman, or to, to me anyway. Yeah, which I, which is fine. Like I don't need a you know bleach blonde heroine in all of my movies, no. especially my eighteen hundred period piece. But, um, God, I sound so shallow. You are. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you are. Just own it. I well, in a movie where you have recognizable actors, you could in this huge two hundred thirty million dollar budgeted movie. Yeah. There was nobody on your roster. You th- Disney, you think like throw a big name in there. There had to have been somebody. I'm not else saying go Julia gone. Roberts, but uh, yeah. I'm sure any one of our three recasts Some, are like, better. You than... could have thrown Rachel McAdams in there. Or something. There you go. And she's not even in my recast, but you could no. have thrown her in there. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, uh, she was she was she was okay though. She was fine. She was. I see. I it, felt like she was the weakest performer in the she, film. Oh, she definitely she was. Wasn't, I didn't think she was bad. No, but I felt like she was weak. Difficult to root for them to get together when uh, you don't really see them together in much of the film. She was yeah. very forgettable. I mean, even yeah. while watching it, when it would pop back to her, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. There's a love interest. <laughs> and this hey, okay, kid. right? Oh yeah, there, there's the, those people again. Yeah, she just was. Eh. I mean, I I don't really go one way or another on her. I didn't hate her, but she's just very forgettable for me, I, even while watching the movie. I feel like if you're one of your main antagonists in the film is going, she's going to be like part of his motivation. Right. Like he wants her. I feel like there needs to be something a little bit more desirable to her. Mm-hmm. You know, a reason why. Maybe he, that's why Tonto asked where she was because he already forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> just well it out there. played. Yes. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, I don't, I don't think I, I have anything else. I just, I really wanted to talk about that character. Yeah. We haven't talked about the Latham Cole character that yes, much. Yes, Tom, Tom Wilkinson, Wilkinson, who is great. He's one he's of these. He's really guys. good in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, we find out later in the film. You know, he starts off, and you could tell like maybe there's a little bit of something. Yeah, like, he's a politician. He's, he's a politician. He's a little bit of a creepy old man, mm-hmm. but not much more to it than mm-hmm. that. You you can kind of tell. I mean, because we're adults and we're intelligent, we know that he's going to have something to do with this later on. Right. That he is probably going to be an antagonist in the film. Mm-hmm. And so when they finally do the reveal, uh, it's 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 nice. He doesn't like he doesn't. Like how I talked about how this movie runs the risk of taking itself or trying to be too smart. Right. He comes so close to being a stereotypical mustache twirler. Yeah. But he doesn't quite do that. He doesn't. No. And it's good. It's good that he doesn't do that. Uh, it makes him more uh, more, more real. It gives him a little more substance. Yeah. And, and you buy him as a threat in this film. Uh, especially when it comes to the safety of Rebecca and little Danny. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's nice to see that switch kind of turn when he's finally like, okay, you know what? I don't have to pretend anymore. Mm-hmm. Backhands the little yeah. boy. Right. Um, which we know, you know, if you hit a child, you are a horrible person. De facto. And obviously yeah. a villain, especially if you subscribe to the Save the Cat style writing that Hollywood is just all over nowadays. And there are a couple instances in this movie, and I, I pointed it out to, to Sarah, when in the very beginning when we're introduced to uh, John Reed mm-hmm. and he's on the train and the little girl drops her doll. Oh, yeah. And he goes to pick it up and I go, save the cat. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's like, what? I go, well, there's there's like a writing style in Hollywood, a script style that's actually really popular right now called Save the Cat. And it's when we first meet our protagonist, he does something like noble, like, mm-hmm. you know, picking up a doll for a little mm-hmm. girl or, you know, saving a cat. You know, when that's that's kind of where it comes from. He does this little thing that lets us know it, it endears them to us immediately. And mm-hmm. he's the good guy. And we're going to watch him grow. And I love how they twisted it when he goes to throw it back to the girl and the doll gets sucked <laughs> out of the window. <laughs> so, like, I appreciated that. I, I appreciated, you know, giving it a little bit of a twist. And See? then later in the movie, he literally saves the cat where they're leaving Red Harrington's and he's rocking, walking down the stairs and he hears the cat meowing. Did you, do you I don't remember, remember that? this. No, you don't keep remember talking. That? No. Where she's talking about having a, like, Tonto's walking around and he's sniffing and he's like, do you have cat? And she's like, yeah, but I haven't been able to find him or whatever. And so then we cut back and Tonto's got the birdcage on his head. And yeah, he's I remember like, that. In case of cat. And so, <laughs> like, the mob is starting to get crazy and they're coming into the brothel. And that's when they leave out the back. And as John's going down the stairs, he hears a meow 
and they kind of do a, a shift focus and you see a cat behind him. And that's when like everyone comes up into the, into red's office and they're like, where'd they go? And she's like, I have no, no idea who you're talking right. about. And then that's when the door opens and John's like, I found your cat. Oh, and then like sees everybody and they chase him down the stairs. And he <laughs> I forgot about that. And I feel like that is a reference. That's a direct reference. And I feel like a very tongue in cheek poke at the save the cat oh, interesting. thing that's going on in Hollywood. I feel like Gore Verbinski's like kind of given a little bit of a middle finger to the save the cat theory. I like that. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So I can buy that. That was that was something that I thought was really interesting. He's you a know, great filmmaker, man. Yeah. I don't I've I have yet to see something that he's done that I haven't enjoyed. Well well maybe that last Pirate of the Caribbean movie. Yeah. Uh, the last one that I saw anyway. <laughs> uh, although how do you feel about a a a foreigner a, a foreigner telling a traditionally American story you know i i don't mind it yeah yeah what why why should it matter why should it matter what yeah. is it's not no that's not <laughs> no it's not racist but i it would be as if um well i was gonna say we told story but we do this we all do. the time, yeah. we, do know, all the time. <laughs> we do it all the time i get what you're going you know for and saying? i actually in some ways i think it it helps with stories like this that you're bringing back to see it from an outsider's point of view. Because not only are you seeing it from an outsider's point of view, but in order to get their reference because they didn't grow up with it, they have to go back to the originals. Mm -hmm. And I think that that actually probably played a part in this because if some American person did it, they'd be like, let's modernize it and like make it better and like make him a hero or, you know, different kind of hero or whatever. And he had to go back. All of his references were the original. And so in a way, I think it kind of helped keep the story. I I almost agree. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, Defending, no, it's, uh, it's an objective question. I understand. Yeah. Uh, but what this, what that question reminds me of, and and Steph, you watched that with us uh, when Jeff and I for uh, for Afternoon Delight watched this movie called The Salvation, oh, and yeah. it was a western made by like Norwegians, hmm. or I can't remember what the nationality was. Maybe it was I, I can't remember, but like clearly not American. But yeah. telling a story about immigrants in a, in the old west in America, uh, I thought it was a fantastic western. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have no problem with that. All right, yeah. All. No, I, I think I almost felt he was trying to go out of his way a little bit as to not to offend because it could have been and, and <laughs> by, by casting make, Johnny Depp. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but I just mean like this story. It could have it could have been very Avatar. You know, like James Cameron is basically telling the same story in Avatar. Yeah, you know, the white man taking over the Native Americans, but it's so heavy handed yeah. and. Yeah. The bad guys are all bad, and the good guys are all you know. There's yeah. there's no gray area, and it's just um, it's it's a very shallow way to tell that story. And mm-hmm. this is actually a a, a, a deeper examination of it, it. Is and it's got heart, and and yeah. it's it's thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think Gore Verbinski was very, uh, I think he was very calculated with what so. what it was, and 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 what kind of story he wanted to tell. He wanted to tell for for the most part, you know, Lone Ranger is a superhero. He was telling a superhero story mm-hmm. at a time when America wasn't at its best. And I think he did a good job with that. You yeah. know, and and I'm it, it fills me with a little bit of warmth and I don't mean that in a cheesy way, but it's going to sound mm-hmm. really cheesy. It fills me with some warmth that you've watched this movie and I'm listening to you say like that's what's great about this movie and you know that's you know that's what I enjoy and that's why I think yeah. he did. it it it's a little bit of vindication because <laughs> you know, I, having watched this, you know, I watched it. Don't let it go to your Steph, head. And that's what Steph and I wearing our masks. <laughs> you know, it's gone to our heads. We're wearing masks. <laughs> literally. Uh, so you know, to sit there and go, man, but this is a good flick. You know, yeah. this is a good movie, and uh, and I, 
I think that this film is going to be one of those movies that about 15 years yes. from now, 20 years from now, people are going to come back to I think and it's be like, get man, that was totally misunderstood. I hope it yeah. does. I hope that they find a way to kind of re- – because the, uh, we've been talking about the marketing. It should have been marketed more as a as a buddy comedy. Uh-huh. Um, and then also like as a as a, as a western, and I think they were I think they turned off, I think the shots they chose for the trailers that they were like, oh, this is good, this is guaranteed. Focus groups have shown studies show that you know you have to show a train chase in order. They would have gone a lot farther if they would have showed less of that and more uh-huh. of these kind of characters interacting, give you an idea what this movie is actually about instead of letting our imaginations fill in the the gaps. And then the critics were unnecessarily harsh to it. I yeah. think. Uh, I feel like they'd already made up their minds mm-hmm. before going to see the movie, which yeah. is unfortunate. As a critic, that's exactly what you're not supposed to do. <laughs> right? Like we're relying on you to to separate the the chafe from from the the diamonds in the rough, and uh, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, so I'm I'm you with mean you. The, the wheat from the such chef. a mixed metaphor <laughs> yeah. there. I, know. From the chef. I was like, um. <laughs> you know what I mean, I like the chafe from the diamonds <laughs> in the rough. <laughs> now we're Aladdin. Uh, everybody knows it was <laughs> Disney. It's Disney. Okay, so guys, well, that makes sense. It's Labor Day, and I've been drinking. <laughs> All right. Does anybody have anything else that they want to say about this film? Because there's no reason this podcast needs to be just as long as the movie. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, everything else I have to say uh, will be answered in the next two questions. Okay. All right. So uh, what did the Lone Ranger do right? Joel. I will, yeah, I will start. Uh, and we had talked about the, the look of this film. It is uh, – there are some top-tier technicians. I'm pretty sure he had the same team working on this film that he did with the Pirates movies, uh-huh. which are equally as gorgeous. Yeah. And this isn't like uh, – you know, they're on a green screen. Like in the Pirates movies, they were dealing with water and real sets and explosions. Yeah. And you get a lot of the same thing here, just supplemented with uh, – they built two fucking full-sized trains mm-hmm. that ran on tracks. Yeah. They ran on electricity, and they added the smoke – uh, in uh, CG after the fact, but uh, there's a lot of practical stuff going on here, and that's that's what helps it feel like a western and not like a Star Wars prequel. Yeah, so yeah. it looks fantastic. Steph, what do you think the Lone Ranger did right? Um, to me, it just it it stayed true to the story and it just told the story. Um, there wasn't a lot of heavy political stuff to it as mm-hmm. far because it could have gone like you were talking about earlier it could have gone really heavy political about this time and it just told the story yeah. it gave you characters it lets you know from the beginning how you know good guys bad guys and then just told told the story yeah um, okay so I think it's a couple of things because I think this movie I think this movie hit on a lot of silly like it did really great as with the visuals I agree with you Joel the visuals uh, staying true to the source material and letting the story be the point and be the star and not have a message override what your you know your characters I think they did a great job with that I think the music was fantastic oh yeah I agree uh, I think what Lone Ranger did the best though was that it took a, a, it took a property that you know, they, they could have, like, Schwarzeneggered up and made him, like, this one-man army thing. And instead, they stayed true to, like, the, the Western roots, almost kind of stay, sticking to what you said about it, uh, but in, in with cinematic roots, that they, they told a traditional Western in yeah. a traditional way. Uh, and it was very compelling, and it's very entertaining. Uh, and like I said earlier in the podcast, I think this is a Western that can stand up with some of the best... Western films, yep. best Western, <laughs> proud sponsor of the Editing Day podcast. Uh, no, but uh. it could stand up with some of the best westerns in Hollywood's history. I think this is a really competent, a, a very and confident, mm-hmm. uh, well-made western and well-made film with a lot of heart. 
Uh, and I, I give it a lot of credit for that. What yeah, did the Lone Ranger do wrong, Joe? Uh, I wish I could endorse it a little more to families because the violence is a little—it's a little over the edge, a little too much. Uh-huh. Um, especially, you know, the, we talked about you know, the guy eating the other guy's heart. Yeah, we already got he was a bad guy. We already got he was a cold-blooded killer. Yeah, there could have been a less cringe-inducing way to to do that because yeah, that's that's pretty intense for kids. Mm-hmm. And even though I mentioned earlier we're not really seeing blood. There's a hell of a body count, and yeah. like right off the bat, that first train heist, they're just the the guys doing the heist are just indiscriminately killing oh, yeah. the trains. W- whereas <laughs> ten years ago, twenty years ago, they would have just threatened them with violence. Like yeah. there was no need to actually they did they kill yeah, them. Kill them. I would have liked it to be a little more family friendly uh, mm-hmm. to to fully endorse. Yeah, but that's a small quip. Okay, what did the Lone Ranger do wrong, Steph? Um. It's something that we talked about earlier. It just too many storylines. Yeah. Um. I think that that was really what lent it to being as long as it was. And you, you know, it's funny you talked about during the um, the train thing at the end, how you were able to keep up with all the characters, where they were, and and what was happening. It didn't feel that way during the whole movie because there were you know characters that all of a sudden was like, oh yeah, I kind of almost forgot about them. Yeah. And then oh, wait, who was that one? Wait, okay, now that person has a vendetta. Uh-huh. It, it that to me was the biggest problem mm-hmm. that I had was just that there were too many characters that I was supposed to remember. Gotcha. When I really just wanted to focus on the good guys and the bad guys, and everybody else is just secondary characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a product of that, or, or a reason why, uh, is that's the product of the uh, the fact that, like Joel said, the movie was shit canned, uh, and then they came back, took pay cuts, and decided, uh, okay, let's finish this movie. And I kind of feel like there was a little bit of a, all right, we can't just tell an origin story. We need to tell like an origin and right. give people an actual like you know a story a mission like something's happening with these characters. I'm not trying to give it a pass, but I kind of feel like they knew they weren't going to get another one out of this. Yeah. So right. let's tell as much of a story Do as all, we can. All of it we can let's, in one movie. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I kind of hope they don't make a sequel because I don't see how it can nearly be as strong as this yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, what I think the Lone Ranger did wrong. I'm gonna pick. Uh, Okay, I've got something specific, but I'm also going to pick the easy one. Okay. It runs way too long. Yep. Yes. It, and like I said earlier, it, for me, it moves along at a good pace for mm-hmm. being two and a half hours. Right. But we started watching this movie, and it was like bright <laughs> outside, and I'm watch, I've got Harper in my lap, it's and we're epic. watching the movie. And then like by the time it was over, it's like dark out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? where did the day go? Wasted what happened? Uh, and so there's that. But also the the bookends the little boy with old tonto i feel like yeah. Yeah. there was you know even though it was a little bit you know you had that moment at the end that was fairly it was pretty powerful mm-hmm. i think you could have still pulled that off in 1869 right without the flashback without the flashback uh but there were just moments where while the story's going on and you're really engaged suddenly you hear that little boy's voice like kind of over whatever you're watching and then we cut back to the and i'm like what yeah. It's just taken me out of the moment. But I think, again, I think it's calculated and intentional, but I also think it's Disney's... It, it was trying to do what The Princess Bride did, which yeah. every time yes. we get a little too intense, a little too uh, caught up in this, let's mm-hmm. remind Go ourselves back, that it's, it's just a story. Right. Exactly. Right. But mm-hmm. the problem Tonto is... Lives. It's going to be okay. Yeah, the problem is, though, that you know, even though this is a movie that they wanted to market to families, it's not as family 
it, it doesn't have that same feel as the Princess Bride. The Princess Bride has that like storybook. goofy storybook kind of feel to it the whole way through. Mm. This has, like Joel said, a man eating another man's heart. <laughs> and then we jump back to kid eating peanuts. Yes. You and, know, and vampire rabbits. <laughs> <And> vampire. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. So if we were going to remake the Lone Ranger, mm-hmm. uh, how would we did Steph? Did you recast? You didn't tell me. I was okay, oh. you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to. You don't have to worry about it. It's okay. I'm sorry. That's that's totally my bad. Uh, then Joel, we'll just we'll just do the recast. Sure. Uh, uh, if you wanna, do you wanna start it off? I have uh, seven. I think. If you say the word ping pong, I'm gonna punch you in the face. I'm not going to. I was gonna let you say it. <laughs> Clearly, you don't want to. So then I will go. Uh, I started with the Barry Pepper. I have ten, oh Jesus! Maybe you should start no. then. I started with the Barry Pepper character, who is the the captain in charge of the cavalry that arrives. Fuller. Is that his name? Captain Thank you. Fuller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about instead of uh, Barry Pepper, we do Kiefer Sutherland nice. in that role? Okay. He kind of looks. I'd like to see him in that in that perfectly coiffed hair with the old uh, 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 um, Civil War. And garb ev- on. every time he's on screen, we see a countdown clock. Goes <laughs> 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 into split screen. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tonto is burying a pigeon. Um, the Helena Bonham Carter character, or the Red Harrington, uh, in charge of the. Uh, the brothel. Thank you. Oh, I really <laughs> wanted him to say <laughs> I know. I was waiting. Uh, how about uh, from Mad Men, Christina Hendricks? Love it. Or Red-Headed Vixen. Oh, I love that. Love her that. in that. Uh, Ruth Wilson, I believe the actress's name, who uh-huh. plays, what's the character's name? The, the female Rebecca. lead. Rebecca. Uh, how about, you and I both love her. We've talked about John Carter already a few times. Lynn Collins. Love Lynn Collins. Who All I right. realized, I uh, had some friends in San Francisco I had dinner with over the weekend. I got a little six degree of separation between uh, Lynn Collins. I'm like three degrees away. Really? Hey, yeah, yeah. You. There's a, uh, uh, well, I won't go into it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> So Lynn Collins. Well, that's that a great role. story, Joel. She's, <laughs> she's, moving right she's, along. she's one of these. She's a capable actress, uh, gorgeous to look at, but you wouldn't be able to recognize her. She's not like a household name. Gotcha. And that's kind of what you need in that role. Uh, Tom Wilkinson character. Uh, what's his name? Latham Cole. Latham Cole. He's the actual. Did villain. you actually watch this movie? I you know me. I don't remember <laughs> the characters' names. I told you. The, the main character, the oh, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the silent that, that Avenger. The, uh, I'm a visual learner. <laughs> okay. Guy. <laughs> Uh, Tom Wilkinson, uh, how about Kevin Spacey in that role? Like Put a little it. Civil War mustache on him. I like that. He can be the uh, the politician, as he is in uh, House of Cards. And then finally, my top three. We have William Fickner as... Um, uh, Butch Cavendish. Cavendish, thank you. Uh, he kind of looked to me initially when I first saw him uh, like Jackie Earl Haley. Nice, from nice. The new uh, Freddy Krueger yeah. in the new uh, remake. And Watchmen. Also from he Watchmen. was in Watchmen. He played Rorschach. Rorschach. Uh, love oh, that, I like guy. that guy. Yeah, he's great, and he's got a shortened stature, but he's still he's still uh-huh. uh, uh, he's ooh, got a like imposing. Still. Yes. He does I have like a presence. That. Um, and then finally, let me do Johnny Depp's character first. Let me do Tonto, uh-huh. even though he's you could make an argument he's the main character of this movie. I almost wanted to. Well, say he him tells last. the story. He does tell the story. He's a storyteller. Uh, picture, if you will, Joaquin Phoenix as Tonto <laughs> again, going for a white man. But uh, he wore makeup the entire movie anyway. And Joaquin Phoenix, first of all, he's got Phoenix right there in his yeah, name. You can't right. get any more Native American than that. And that guy's just batshit enough crazy in real life uh, to where I think he could play that Tom role. That's right. But put his own little spin <laughs> Nothing on. like the guy who fucked a computer or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Grew a 10-foot beard. Uh, and then finally, uh, the Lone Ranger himself, Army Hammer. How about uh, you, you want a goody two-shoes? You want an all-American-looking uh, white man? Uh-huh. Tall guy, imposing. How Please. about Cyclops from the X-Men movies? James, James Marsden. Marsden. I love him. James Marsden. Yeah, <laughs> women love him. Guys uh, want to be, be him. him. There you go. 
So that's my recast. That's pretty good, man. You, Especially you. your your Butch Cavendish is really good. I love Jack I think, I think, Haley, man. I think you've got it on this one. All right, so oh, I'm going to start with Collins, the guy who uh, who turns on. Or, oh, or he's yeah. the traitor in the midst of the Texas Rangers, mm-hmm. uh, played by the dude that was like in Lost. Uh, I got it, MC Ganey or yes. whatever. Yes, he's yeah, great. He's really good. Oh, that's his type of role a, too. A great character actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've replaced him with Gary Oldman. Oh, I almost went nice. Gary Oldman. Fantastic. Yeah. Gary Oldman, not not a huge character. No. Uh, I feel like we could get him for a day yeah. and just have him shoot all those That those would be parts. one of those best uh, actor nominations. <laughs> best, supporting actor. best supporting Gary actor. Gary Oldman as you. Collins, the guy who pukes in the Lone <laughs> Ranger. Uh, all right, so Red Harrington, mm. played by Anne Hathaway. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Throw, throw something in there, maybe go a little uh, atypical. Mm-hmm. You know, where right. she, she's she's definitely a, a good performer. She's mm. yeah, she is. She's uh, I th- I think nobody would have any problems with her lifting up her wooden leg and shooting at <laughs> uh, <laughs> shooting at explosives and stuff. Worked for Rosa McGowan. Yeah, uh, Rebecca Reed, mm-hmm. played by Ellen Page. Oh, interesting. Yeah, huh? Uh, I I think that because I think that she's going to match up. Fairly well with the person that I cast as the Lone Ranger. Also, I think Ellen uh, Page is very strong. She's yes, a very strong fiery. actress, and I also think that she could. I don't, I don't know how to say this without it sounding like really. Uh, uh, you're having the same thought. I'm yeah, having. I yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I I just feel like this this may be kind of a misogynist thought, but no. I just kind of feel like Ellen Page. You could take the makeup off her and give her like that that old western that frontier woman kind of. She'd still look good. Fit in that role. Yeah. She would still look good. Yeah. yeah. And she's got a great natural look uh-huh. without mm-hmm. being like, oh, you look sick because you didn't wear makeup what today. What Stephanie yeah. said. <laughs> she said it in a much better way. Uh, so yeah, Ellen Page is Rebecca Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Reed. Yeah. So oh. because in the old west, sometimes you know, men took much younger wives. So uh, oh, no. for Dan Reed, I went with Brad Pitt. <laughs> Okay, that's not too bad. Mm-hmm. I was I was bracing myself for uh, <laughs> yeah. not, not too Nick, bad. Nick Nolte or something. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Pitt has a good Western look. Gary Busey, yeah, he does. Yeah, Brad. Has, Pitt. has he been in a Western? I, Brad Pitt. I don't know. Damn, he needs to be. He was in Twelve Years Legends a Slave. Of does the that fall. count? It wasn't ah, quite yeah, a Western. That's but what I'm picturing. He's it was country that, yeah, boy. That, that turn of the century. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so Captain Fuller, mm-hmm. the uh, the Barry Pepper character, right. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> the, the character of Latham Cole, the yes. Tom Wilkinson character, be right. played by Ewan McGregor. Oh, interesting. Oh, Going a little like younger that. take on well, that character. Well, huh? you say younger, but Ewan McGregor's not a, he's not a, a spring chicken anymore. Spring chicken. Spring, chick- spring chicken. Spring chicken. Say chicken. Yeah. I'll, You're I'm a hu- chicken, and I'm, I'm a chicken <laughs> hawk. <laughs> I'm hungry. That's all I know. All of a sudden, I have a craving chicken. for chicken. Uh, now, you're going to start, if you've been paying attention to the people that I've recast, you're going to start noticing a theme. But mm. if you don't know yet, uh, you're going to know with these final three. Okay. Butch Cavendish. Mm-hmm. I'm recasting with Christian Bale. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> because going Nolan. the guy can throw... He could throw down a little bit of crazy, as we've seen from the set of Terminator Salvation. Uh, Oh, good for you. (laughs) Good for you, Lone Ranger. (laughs) Uh, Tonto, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, Uh, you son of a bitch. I've been holding Joseph Gordon-Levitt in my pocket for a good Uh, few months now. It's time to bring him back. It's time to bring him back. JGL as Tonto. And uh, playing the part of John Reed, Lone Ranger, my favorite movie of the year. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I went with Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Yep. 
John Reed, the Lone Ranger. Totally do it. Uh, All of this, Joel, you called it, directed by Christopher Nolan. (laughs) Yep, I figured. Yeah, you got Tom Hardy in there too. Nicely done. So, uh, thank you very much. So, if you have any ideas on how you would recast the Lone Ranger or thoughts about the movie, uh, things that we haven't mentioned that you've been screaming back at the podcast or the Periscope app uh, while you've been watching (laughs) live, uh, you can just (laughs) let us know on Facebook. That's where you talk back to us. Go to Facebook in the search bar, put in the editing bay, find the woman with the bleeding eyes. That's us. That's where you talk back to us. And you can also give us suggestions of movies if there's anything you want us to see. You can go ahead and let us know. We've got a, a list that we've compiled. Joel keeps the list, and uh, and we go back to it. Now, I know we've been picking movies that you know we want to see, or if someone dies, uh, we pick yeah. something that they've done, because this has been a, uh, a rough year so far. Jeez, High body yeah. count. Um, but... We've uh, we've got a list that we compile with your suggestions, and every once in a while, we we get to one. And sometimes it isn't suggested by Ryan Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, sometimes it's my brother. I know, right? <laughs> sometimes it's uh, Lauren Burnson. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, all right, so we have a website too, right? Joe? We also do. It is editingbay.com. <laughs> we, we also have websites. <laughs> Young Patty. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> It is editingbay.com. You can go there and find links to our social networks, such as Facebook and Twitter. Uh, as Joe had mentioned earlier, we also have all of our past episodes in our archive section uh, and are still selling uh, T-shirts. You like the support of the show. We don't ask for, for any donations. This is a free podcast as opposed to all the other paying podcasts That's out there. That's right. right? Uh, no. They suck. Free podcast, uh, but it's a good way to monetize it. So if you want to support the show and uh, wear it out and show pe- how people how cool you are in your Editing Bay shirt, you can order it right there off of the website at editingbay.com. And uh, if you get us on your uh, your Apple device on the podcasting app, we would ask you to go to that uh, and leave us a review and a rating. All you got to do is in the search function, put in Next Wave Radio, and that'll bring up all of our shows. And then just tap on the editing bay and then like the center section, you'll see something that says review. You tap on that and leave us a five-star review and a rating. That's going to help us out, especially with getting sponsors. We want to do, like Joel said, <laughs> we're doing this for free. Uh, yeah. And we want to do another live show. And the last one cost us a lot of money mm-hmm. and so we're not really prepared to pay that ourselves out of pocket <laughs> but we really want to do a live show and uh, and stuff and have giveaways and and the best way to do that is if we can prove that people listen and enjoy our stuff and uh, and yeah you do that by leaving a review a rating we'd really appreciate it and then when you're done with that go ahead and leave a rating and a review for our other shows here on the Next Wave Radio Network we've got MVP the most valuable podcast mm-hmm. with Matthew and Danny talking about sports and sports entertainment wrestling and baseball and basketball, football, anything with a ball or a puck. Sports ball. Sports ball. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've also got My Comic Life with uh, Jeffrey and, yes. and Sam. Oh, Jeffrey. And s- this week on My Comic Life, what are you guys going to be talking about? Uh, Jack uh, Bowman's uh, appearance at Dragon Con. All right, Jack Bowman's. Oh, I heard about that. Jack Jack Bowman? Uh, Who's J- John Barrowman? Whatever. You mean John Barrowman? Bo Jack. Captain Jack. Captain, Captain, Captain Jack. Bo Jack Horseman. Jack Bowman. <laughs> I'm totally going to write John Barrowman and be like, hey, Jack Bowman. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So uh, what are we going to do next week, Joe? Well, uh, we, we did a, a back to school movie a couple of weeks ago, right, with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh-huh. Uh, and with back to school in the fall season also comes football season, both uh, professional and college football and high school football. Uh, so if you you go to your Netflix queue, if you're Netflix or not your queue, your your uh, your 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 app, and uh, search for uh, Varsity Blues, which oh, is a classic high school football film starring uh, what's his name who I can't think, James Vanderbeek. Exactly. Um, 
Oh, thank you, James Vanderbeek. Yeah, uh-huh. I wish I knew and, how to and Scott Scott Kahn. He oh, is, is he in that? And too? isn't the late uh, what's his name from the Fast and Furious movies? Oh, Paul Walker. Paul Walker yes. in this. Walker in this. Is That's in right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we'll revisit some some high school football with a little bit of varsity blues. I don't want your life. I don't want your life. <laughs> there, we've got it out of the way now, so we don't have to do it next <laughs> We're week. We're going to do it all throughout the episode <laughs> next week. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, all right, so that's it. Varsity Blues next week. Uh, we'll see you back here. Is that on Netflix, did you it, say? That's it is on Netflix. on Netflix. Okay, yeah, so Varsity Blues for next week. Jeffrey, thank you very much. Thank you, Jeffrey. Stephanie, thank you for joining us. You're awesome. Thanks for having me. It's it's fun. Great. Thank you, guys. If you're on Periscope and you're watching, uh, thank you. For, and join us next week on Periscope, if you want, uh, mm-hmm. at Next Wave Joe is, uh, is where you find us there. Joel. Thank you so much. It Always was, a pleasure. It Thank warms you. my heart that you liked this movie. You've gotten away with it this time, Joe, but don't <laughs> think that when I tell you I don't want to see a movie that uh, it's always going to end this positively. <laughs> you got lucky once. All right. Uh, all right, so I think there's only one way we can end this. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, with a hearty... Hi-yo, Silver! You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.